Would you please turn in the Word of God to Psalm chapter 6, which is the psalm that we just sang. This is a psalm that is attributed to David. It's called a penitential psalm, but it's much more than that. For Psalm 6 captures the essence of human vulnerability and emotional rawness. It begins with a confession of absolute agony. But as you will see by the end of this sermon, it does not end there. This is Psalm 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord. Deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Lord, would you be with us now as we hear from you? Give us ears to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a few hours left, isn't it? Less than six hours, and we're moving from 2023 to 2024. And with each, with each new minute that passes by, and each hour that passes by, the anticipation builds, doesn't it? It's in the air. And with the new year, there comes to mind fresh starts. Resolutions that many of us will fail to keep two weeks after making them, if you're anybody like me. But it's not just that, is it? Because with the turn of the new year, we also have a looking back upon the year that was. 
And it mixed in this excitement and anticipation into a spectrum of other emotions. Perhaps it's dread. Perhaps it's regret. Perhaps it's the weight of the baggage from this last year. Unmet expectations. Dreams that didn't come true. Projects that you fought for and worked hard for and were disappointed because they didn't come true. And pain. Oh, the pain. Perhaps even right now, you are suffering. Perhaps even right now, this is how you feel. As you look to this new year. And in this psalm, God gives you hope. In this psalm, God gives you great joy. And in this psalm, there is a charge for you tonight. And it is this, that in the midst of facing a new year, in the midst of looking back on all the things that were and all the things that happened, good and bad, the charge of Psalm 6 to you tonight is to forge unshakable faith through your suffering. That is the charge of this text tonight. And we are given four ways that we are to forge this unshakable faith. Look with me, if you will, at verses 1 to 3 of our text. The first step to forge this unshakable faith through your suffering is to throw yourself on God's grace. If you look at the beginning, David says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Rebuke and discipline, anger and wrath, this is how the psalm begins. And whenever you are under the intense pain and suffering, or when you're under any kind of pain and suffering, sometimes it feels like this, doesn't it? It feels as if the hand of God is heavy upon you. And that's what David is experiencing here. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, discipline me in your wrath. He's not making excuses for himself. He knows that he's a sinner. He knows that he's a rebel before God. He doesn't deserve God's grace. He doesn't deserve God's mercy. So he's not sitting here making defenses for himself. All he asks from God is one thing. Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. That's it. Because when you undergo the intense hand and the heavy hand of God, it feels like that. And even though this discipline is unpleasant... We have to ground ourselves in the word of God that when we undergo discipline, 
however unpleasant it is, because I'm not going to make an excuse, it does hurt. It is very unpleasant. Sometimes God has you go through these intense times because there is something in your life that is there, something you're holding on to, perhaps, that is not good, that's taking the place of God, and He is having you go through this time because you need to let that go. And there are other times that God has us go through these things out of love for us. Because they're made for us to go through so we become more like Christ. Even Hebrews 12 says that God is treating us as His children, as His sons when we undergo these things. Doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't mean it's easy. But we need to see God's purpose and his hand behind our suffering. It's unclear as to exactly why David is suffering, but, but he is. And then he goes on in verse 2 and he says this, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. He pleads, he says, be gracious to me, God. That's his prayer to the Lord. That's his petition. Be gracious to me. For I am hurting, I am in agony, and I am in pain. I am weak. This can also be translated, I am like one who droops. If you're married or perhaps have a girlfriend and you've given the lady flowers, there's this nice, beautiful rose, perhaps. You're really excited at it. It looks beautiful and majestic when you first give the rose. And maybe she doesn't water it. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not digging up the past. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe it's not. But either way, if you do let the flower go unwatered, uncared for, it begins to droop, doesn't it? Its former beauty, its former grandeur becomes not like that at all. It begins to decay. It begins to decompose. And it droops. And eventually it dies. And that's the picture that we have here with David. His eye am like one who droops, unwatered, uncared for. This is how I am. And this is the king of Israel. This is the richest man. This is the man after God's own heart, the anointed one of Israel. He is like one who is drooping. He says, Be gracious. To me. My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O oh Lord, how long? And it feels like that when you're suffering, doesn't it? How long, O oh Lord? How long? It could be a day, it could be several hours, 
It could be several years. But irregardless of the time, the agony and the pain is often too much. And like David, we ask the Lord, how much longer am I supposed to sit in this agony? How much longer do you expect me to endure? Because I simply cannot. Lord, you, you must act. You must be gracious. I can't do this much longer. And whether your pain is from suffering, unmet expectations, baggage from the past, whatever is causing that suffering. Like David, when you suffer, humble yourself before God. Don't make excuses. Examine your own heart because there might be something in there that God wants you to see. He might also be having you go through that simply because he loves you. And he does. As you suffer, you need to accept that God has a purpose and a meaning for your suffering, and it is not meaningless. As you suffer, you need to seek God because he is never repelled by your pain. But all of this suffering that David is going through, all of this agony that he's experiencing is a shadow because there would be one that was, is greater, Christ, who comes and fulfills this perfectly. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, his spirit is heavy, the weight of the world that he is about to undergo, the reality of that is crushing upon him. The agony of the separation from the Father is dawning upon him. He tells his disciples, my soul is troubled, stay with me. They sleep. Three times he goes to the Father. Three times he throws himself upon the Father's grace that night. But he didn't get any, did he? No. And because he didn't get any, you can. So forge unshakable faith through your suffering by throwing yourself on the grace of God. And then secondly, by anchoring yourself in the character of God. In your deepest distress, in the silence of your anguish, you yearn, don't you, for some kind of a beacon of hope. You look everywhere, don't you? You search for any kind of solace that you can find. And David says this, he says, Turn, O Lord, in verse 4, he says, Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. He is going directly to the character of God and appealing to who he is. 
He knows that God is good. He knows that God is merciful. He knows that God has made promises to bless him and to give him a hope and a future and peace. He knows the character of the being who is in front of him. And that is what he appeals to. The very character of God in the midst of his pain, he anchors himself in the unchangeable being and character of God. says, turn, save. There's an urgency to this. When you're in pain and you're in suffering, it feels like this, doesn't it? God's got to do something. He's got to act quickly because I can't stand this much longer. And David fears death. He admits it here in verse 5, for in death there is no remembrance of you, and Sheol who will give you praise? It says, for in death there is no remembrance of you. The reason that he wants the agony and the pain and the suffering to be removed from him is not for selfish purposes. It says, for in death there is no remembrance of you, and Sheol who will give you praise? He wants God to take his suffering and his pain and his agony away so that he can give praise to God. So when you ask God to take away your suffering and pain, is it for yourself that you ask? Or are you doing it for him? And again, this is a picture of something greater, isn't it? Because we see Jesus anchoring himself in the character of God. When he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, O Lord, take this cup of wrath from me. Three times he prays this. But he says, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done because it is good. Because it is always good. Even if in the moment it doesn't always seem like it. So we're brought into this inter-Trinitarian dialogue between the Father and the Son, and Jesus is exposing the very humanness of who He is as He is speaking to His Father with the terror of what's to come before Him. But He throws Himself on the grace of God, and He's anchoring Himself in the character of who God is because He knows that God's grace is good. He knows that His Father will only ever act in a way that is just and perfect and righteous. Your will, because it is good. Your will be done. So forge unshakable faith through your suffering, through 
your suffering, not in spite of it. And how do you do this? Throw yourself on the grace of God. Anchor yourself to God's character. And thirdly, bear your soul to God. This is what we see. There are moments when the pain that we go through, that words simply fail us. The pain grips the very core of our being, doesn't it? You can't articulate what you're going for, what you're going through, and you you find no release. And yet here in this text in Psalm 6 are the ancient words of a soul expressing the anguish and agony that they're going through in raw, vivid, unfiltered realness. He says this, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. What rawness is being expressed here. Nothing held back. I am weary. And maybe that's you tonight. Like David, you're saying, I am weary. As you think back on all the things that have happened this this past year, I am simply weary. I dampen and drench. I groan. I have tears. And it's not just one time, is it? No, it's usually not. And here David is saying, it's every night I flood my bed with tears. Every night. And it's night that is the worst, isn't it? You see, and and during the day you can distract yourself with your thoughts, can't you? With the busyness of the day, with the cares that take place. But at the nighttime, that's when there's less distractions. That's when the pain is particularly throbbing. Because there are no distractions. That's when the worst of it usually hits. And so you think to yourself, well, maybe a change of scenery would be nice for me. You shift from one room to the next, thinking that it's going to change the dynamics. And that you kind of see this idea as of going on in what what David is saying here, he says, I am weary with my, with my moaning every night. I flood my bed with tears. So here's he, he's in his bedroom at his bed, but then he says, I drench my couch with my weeping. He's shifting from one room to the next, thinking that there could be some escape by just a simple shift of scenery. But you can't escape it, can you? Because when the pain and the suffering is real, it doesn't really matter where you're at. It, the, what matters is that it's just real and that you're experiencing it, and it really hurts so much. And that's what David is saying here. He says, my eyes waste away, in verse 7, because of grief. 
It grows weak because of all my foes. It can be translated when it says my eyes grow weak. It can also be translated my eyes decompose. Think about that. My eyes decompose. I am like one who is drooping. Every night. Can you feel the weight of this? The depth of the soul's anguish expressed unreservedly. And maybe this is you tonight. Right now, in this moment, or maybe it was you earlier this year. Or maybe as you're looking into this year to come, all of the weight of the past year is pressing upon you with the anticipation of the new year coming. And to you... Maybe you're too anxious sometimes to attend social gatherings. Maybe you're too stressed to to sleep at night, tossing and turning in your bed. You're too burned out to pursue your own passions, too, too depressed to get dressed. Even that itself is a struggle. Maybe you're too depressed to go to church, or even if you're in church, maybe your heart's not really in, in it. Maybe you're too burdened to read your Bible to, to pray because God seems so very distant. And in fact, you're finding it so hard to even do the daily menial tasks of life. Listen to me. Express your trouble to God, bear your soul to God. That is what this particular verses are calling you to do. That is what it looks like to forge unshakable faith through your suffering. It's to bear your soul to God. And again, we see Jesus doing this to an even deeper extent, a, a deeper degree. Isaiah 53.3 says he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. As Jesus is on that cross, his arms outstretched, nailed to the beams of the cross, his body is broken, his spirit racked within him in absolute agony. He is abandoned and alone. He is drooping like a soon-to-be-dead rose petal, barely holding it together. He cries out to God. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what he says. He's expressing the absolute pain the unfiltered, raw agony that he is experiencing. This is what it looks like to forge unshakable faith through your suffering. To throw yourself 
on God's grace to anchor yourself in the character of God, to bear your soul to God. And then we see in these final three verses, it also means surrendering your troubles to God. We see in verse 8, it says, Depart from me, all you workers of evil. There's no indication at this point in the text, if you've been paying attention, that any of David's prayers have been answered. No indication whatsoever. And yet we see this dynamic shift, don't we? From despair to hope. Because he says here in verse 8, he says, Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard. The Lord has accepted. He does hear. He does answer. In the only possible way that David is able to say this with such definitive nature and exactness is because he has surrendered his troubles to God. It doesn't mean that they have gone away. But he is, um, he is able to forge this unshakable faith and confidence that he has gained through his suffering because he has surrendered his troubles to God. Maybe you've heard of this before. Some of you may have heard this analogy. If you were to go out into the woods and you were to encounter a baby bear, what's the one thing that you're always told not to do? Don't mess with them. Right? Because if the mother bear hears that you're messing with her children, you better watch out, right? And as soon as she hears the cries of the baby bears, she bounds after them. And that's the picture that we're seeing here. It says, depart from me, all you workers, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. God has heard the desperate cries of his children. They have not been silent. They have, he has not ignored them. He has taken account of every single one of them. And he is going to act. He is going to respond. David says, the Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. And then he says, all my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame. You don't mess with God's children. Because God's going to come after you if you do. And he says, they shall be put to shame in a moment. Deliverance does seem delayed, doesn't it? 
sometimes. But it often happens suddenly when you're least expecting it. He does hear your cries. Listen to me. God hears your cries. He does. Even the cries that you shed in your bed at night when nobody is there to hear. He hears them. He's got them in this little jar. He is counting each and every single one of them. Deliverance, it will come in a moment, suddenly. But it will come. And again, all of this is a shadow, isn't it? Of something far greater. And we see Jesus in the midst of all of this, don't we? As Jesus breathes his very last breath, we see this total and complete ultimate surrender of his troubles to God when he cries out on the cross. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Absolute surrender. And the world's going to look at that and they're going to say, that was defeat. But that was victory. That was the mighty king conquering death to the point where we can read in, in 1 Corinthians, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And that's why it is for just a moment. Even though that moment, how much longer, Lord? We ask. But examine your heart. Have you accepted Christ yourself? The Lord knows your heart. And for you who reject God, your tears will go unheard. Your moaning will go unnoticed, and it will not end at death. For you who continue to reject God, your tears and your moaning will have an unending suffering. You will have the full weight and wrath of God bared upon you, not for a moment in time, but for ever and ever. And there will be no escape. But if you turn, you can have every single one of your tears wiped away. Because that's what God promises to do with his children, doesn't he? I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. All of that stuff will be no more. So what are you waiting for? And believer... Forge unshakable faith through your suffering. Throw yourself on the character of God. Anchor yourself to God's character. Throw yourself upon His grace. Bear your soul to God. Surrender your troubles to Him. And as we now face the, the turn of a new year, 
all of the pain, all of the suffering that happened this last year. Throw them at the feet of Christ and leave them to his good, perfect, and capable hands. You don't have to bear this alone. And in just a moment, I'm going to conclude us in prayer, and I will have a time of silence. And in that time of silence, I want you to take all of the cares and concerns of this last year, all of the suffering that you've experienced, all of the disappointments, all the unmet expectations. I want you to actively throw them at the feet of King Jesus. And if you are not a child of God, this is the opportunity that you have to throw yourself on the grace of God. Father, we are so burdened, some of us, by the cares of this last year. Indeed, many of us come to the turn of this year feeling like David does, like David does in this passage. I am like one who is drooping. My eyes decompose. And yet we see in the midst of all of this that that Christ, the, the perfect fulfillment of all of these things, He gave us the perfect example of how we can implement all of this, that all of the things that we have discussed in this passage. And Lord, as we think upon this new year, we need your strength to leave the past behind. And even if we're carrying in suffering and pain of whatever it is into this new year, we need your help to lay it at your feet. God, you've said that we are not alone in these things. We don't come to a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. You have said that, that crying and mourning may be for a night, but joy comes with the morning. And we need that joy. Lord, forge unshakable faith through our suffering. Not in spite of it, but through it. And Lord, we now lift our request to you in silence. All of our unmet expectations, all of our pain, and we are going to lay them at your feet.